0: Presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. We kick Chris Schubert out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here, Chris. He's not part of the show today. It's Kyle and I. It's battle of the boards. It's defense. And Kyle, it's Christmas Eve. What's going on, dude?
1: Well, you know, Chris sits here and tries to drive a wedge between us and make make a conflict that doesn't have to exist. And the end result of that is we've said, hit the road, dude. Get out of here. We're doing it on our own. We do battle of the boards every single year. We know when to scrap it up, when to fight, when to pick your battles. And we're going to do that today, holding up these defensive big boards up against one another. Starting with the edge class. We have 31 mutually graded edge defenders in the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, That's a lot. Uh, Typically, I think we typically cover... It's right around 30 that I mm-hmm. usually do when I do 300 players. I only did 20, 275 players this year and still managed to go above that with just mutual edge rushers with yeah. you, let alone what I did on my own. So this is a deep group. What stands out?
0: What stands out to me, Kyle, is that there isn't a the Chase Young, there isn't a Miles Garrett, there isn't a Joey Bosa, there isn't a Nick Bosa. How dare you, Jalen Phillips. That's all right. It's cool. Go ahead. Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: I have him in an 87 and a half. You
0: do? That's not even a top 10 grade. It's a top 10 player on my board. But though. it's not a top 10 grade. Okay, touche, two All right. So uh, that's what stands out to me is we have a long, deep, talented, good crop of defensive ends and edge players. We just don't have a blue chipper at the top.
1: Yeah, so neither one of us has a top 10 grade evaluation assigned to any edge defender. Your top pass rusher in this year's class is Quidipe. Is yes. that correct? Yeah. So a Pay, Aziz Ojolari, Jalen Phillips, your top three. That's right. And uh, that that is, of course, not accounting for the reported degenerative knee issue mm-hmm. for Ojolari. For we can't speak intelligently to those things, so we don't try to account for them. We simply acknowledge they exist. We understand that that may end up being a ranking that, in hindsight, isn't the best ranking because of the medical issues at hand here. We can't control that. But you're in on uh, Ojolari as far as his physical skill set. What do you like the most about him? I know he's not a player that we have the biggest divide on. We're only separated by one and a half points. I have a first-round grade on him with an 85 out of 100, which is that bottom threshold for that first-round grade status. But uh, 86.5 and number two edge rusher for you in the class. What do you like that? especially put him above Jalen Phillips?
0: Yeah, so he's only 249 pounds, but, man, he plays big. And I really appreciate his competitive toughness, how he exchanges power with guys that are – 80 pounds more than him. You watch the Alabama game. You watch the Auburn game. He is a very, very good run defender. He's got great length, uh, almost 34-inch you know, arms. And he's just a popo, oh, a redshirt sophomore at Georgia. And you saw the production. So length, burst, bend, power. I'm not sure what's not to like outside of the knee issue. So our first big divide, we have the same
1: three guys, just in a different order at the top. Gregory Rousseau, polarizing, bit of a polarizing player. We've talked about Gregory Rousseau when we did the Miami Hurricanes-specific show, right? But I do think that it's worth a a minute of our time, and and I want to ask you specifically because I'm betting on the ceiling with Gregory Rousseau. I'm in as an 85. He's my fourth-rated pass rusher, first-round grade. But I acknowledge openly that a lot of things have to go right for us to get there, right? You have him as an 82 uh, he's behind Jason Owe and Joe Tryon for you, so he's your sixth-rated edge rusher in this year's class. Again, not a huge divide, but mm-hmm. but we're acknowledging some of the more prominent names in the group before we move on and uh, you know start picking fights just for the sake of picking fights, right? So uh, Russo, what do you think the ceiling is? Do you understand where my thought process goes when I look at if you bulk him up and you know, he's going to be more of a hybrid type guy, plays in the B gap. Do you see that similarly as the, the pathway to success? What do you think the likelihood is of getting there? Is it more so if he lands in the right spot, you're more confident, but if he doesn't, you're, you're out? Like, where are you at with yourself?
0: Yeah, so the hesitation comes from inflated production, one year guy at Miami, converted from like safety and wide receiver, and he's a guy that needs a lot of technical work. How, you talked about the best case scenario and those types of things, and, you know, landing spots and how those could dictate. My perception of a player in my mock draft, my final mock draft, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wee-woo, wee-woo, wee-woo. It's a wee-woo. You've had the Jacksonville Jaguars drafting Gregory Rousseau. I, I do, and the reason is because think Trent bulky Think DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead. You don't think he's going to look at Rousseau and see a similar type opportunity for him to develop into that, you know, B-gap defender like you keep talking about. I think that's his best course. I think he's got a good chance of being a first-round pick. I just think you do have to acknowledge there's going to be a curve here. Didn't play football last year, only a one-year guy. So if you're willing to play the long game, I think that could pay off. I just have my doubts about that.
1: Okay, that's fair. Uh, What stands out to you here? I want to give you a chance to speak here as
0: well. Yeah, the, the player that I want to kind of bring up to you that I see a, a discrepancy on, and and this is kind of, this is almost the exact opposite of the conversation we just had. Right, I'm, You know where I'm going. Jason yep, Owe, yep, Penn State. Yep. I'm a little bit more willing to buy in. We're separated by three and a half points. I have him as a high two. You have him kind of towards the bottom of the second round. I, no sacks. I get it. He's very productive in terms of pressures. He's a He's a better run defender, I think, on tape this past year. What's uh, giving you the concern and caution on of way?
1: I think it's just how far he has to go as a pass rusher. Uh, and, and I understand, you know, you get him in the right situation. I like him in, in teams like Baltimore, uh, manufacturing pressure loads and, and, and advantageous box counts or, or number counts, depending on what side you're, you're dictating protection to move to. Uh, so potentially getting some free runners or matchups against backs and tight ends and pass protection. But uh, just the irregularity in which when he's in a true outside rush and he's got to take a half-man relationship with an offensive tackler, he's got to decide that he wants to, wants to convert speed to power or he wants to work back across inside, it's just total ball of clay. And, and the fact that you know you, you talked about Gregory Rousseau having uh, just the one year of production Jason Owe didn't have a year of production. So that's five sacks I, in nineteen. That's fine. Right. <laughs> really five sacks. That's fine. Uh, but but like you said, like it's all there for him, and that's why I still have a second round grade on him. He's still in that second tier for me, uh, along with Joe Tryon, Carlos Bashab, and Joseph Asai. Uh But I just I I've, I'm a little stuck on if you're a team drafting him, you better have a lot of patience. You know, and I would see the transition not being too dissimilar than what Marcus Davenport's experience has been coming into the league as far as how raw he is as a pass rusher. You know, Davenport had great physical tools. Mm-hmm. Ole has better physical tools. Mm-hmm. But just with how far he has to go as a pass rusher, that's what has me a little skittish to, to covet him too highly.
0: All right. So I think those are the, the most prominent names here with the edge group. Do you want to talk Carlos Basham, Hamilcar Rashid, two guys that, um, again, I I feel like yesterday I was higher on some of the position groups collectively, whether that was wide receiver or quarterback? Feels like Edge is definitely one where your scores are coming in higher than mine collectively.
1: Yeah, I I like this group a lot. And um, Basham, I think, is not overly sexy as a player, but he's been productive. Uh, I don't think he profiles necessarily as a guy who's going to be routinely an 8-10 to sack a year kind of guy, but a 6-8 to sack guy, uh, somebody who's going to win against the run, he's going to make splash plays, he's going to reset the line of scrimmage, he's got those heavy hands like we talked about. Um, I'm perfectly fine understanding if I'm drafting Carlos Basham somewhere outside the top 40-50 picks, I'm not getting a sack artist most likely. I don't need to get a sack artist. I need a guy who's going to beat guys up up front, do his one eleventh of the defense, and I think he can do that at a really high level and help play team defense uh, for a team that just wants to control the line of scrimmage and and set the tone up front.
0: Sounds kind of boring to me. Uh, It is, (laughs) but you know what? Sometimes
1: good football players are boring football players. That's kind of just the way it
0: is. I love your comp for him, and that's Shaq Lawson, a player that we both had a chance to have on our favorite teams, and Mm -hmm. it's exactly what you said. He's going to be really good with his run fits. He's going to create some pressure. You kind of like him best. When he's, you know, working that inside move and not trying to work around the outside hip of the offensive tackle, but kind of an unheralded type of player that you always kind of want to find more plays out of, but you, you acknowledge that they're good players. What else? Anything here? Uh, I don't want to fight about Hamilcar Carrachet. I mean, you either buy into the burst and bend or you don't. Right. You know, I mean, he's right. he's got some limitations, but... Um, This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Hey, football fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total-T, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofin, which will help Boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Kyle, we've talked about this defensive tackle class actually pretty recently on the, class, uh, on the podcast here. And, um, you know, the more you look at it, Kyle, it's still not that great. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> not good. This it gets a little ugly here. Now, I like – there's a fair amount of guys that
1: I would like as day two options. Neither one of us has anybody with a first-round grade here. Not, no. Neither one of us has anybody close to a first-round no, right. grade here. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe either one of us has anybody in their top 32 players in the 2021 NFL draft. So let's make this brief. Um, I do see a lot of green on this head to head comparison sheet, which yeah. means that, that I do have higher grades than you on a number of players. Uh, your top five edge or defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen are
0: Levi and Washington, Christian Barmore, Alabama, Davion Nixon, Iowa, Milton Williams, Louisiana Tech, and Tyler Shelvin from the Go Tigers. Good times. Uh
1: I have Levi Wazariki from Washington, Milton Williams at two, Tommy Togiai from Ohio State, Tyler Shelvin from Go and Christian Balmore from Alabama Crimson Tide uh, at number five. So uh, Edo with a nice little cameo yeah, here he, on the show. He pops in from time to time. I'll tell you, it's keep well. Uh So you have two second round grades.
0: Yeah,
1: I have four second round grades.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, You're not in Milton Williams.
0: That's not fair. I know that's not fair. I
1: I didn't mean to say that, but you don't like
0: Milton Williams at all. (laughs) I thought you were definitely coming down, and then you doubled in. That was great. Uh, I have Milton Williams as a high third-round grade, and here's the deal. And and this is interesting because I think this is some of where uh, how we've structured our scouting department comes into play with this process because – You know, I watched Milton Williams over the summer, wrote him up, kept track of him throughout the season, and then, you know, obviously did my final evaluation. And obviously some of that 2019 is still really fresh on my mind. And, you know, where you probably didn't spend much time in 2019. No time. And you watch 2020, and you you see him making plays and and playing kind of an odd role, and then he goes and tests. And, I mean, how many times have you said this? He's right there with – Aaron Donald and Geno Atkins, in terms of so comparable it top three athletic comps,
1: according to my so So
0: you, for you, it's just been this, this frigging uphill, just, no downhill. Oh, let's it's been, go. It's been boom. This is, this oh, is let's like go. good after good after good. And, and in my mind, I'm like, yeah, this is really good, but 2019 still happened. And I think that's kind of what pushes him down for me. Well, but I guess the thing that I'm stuck with is the way that they used him did him no
1: favors. And you should know this as well as anybody with the way the Houston Cougars used Ed Oliver mm-hmm. versus what the transition has been like since he's gotten into the NFL. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and Ed's still getting his footing as far as being consistently an impact interior defensive lineman. Right. Uh, and, and I understand that if you're drafting Milton Williams, you're probably not drafting him for 2021, right? You're drafting him for more of a long-term projection. But if you take this short arm dude who is a gap penetration king and you ask him to squat in the B-gap and read <laughs> gaps, you're a damn fool. Well, Don't do it. Talk to Louisiana Tech coaches. Well, that's, yeah. you know, that's what their system was, and that's fine. But this is a fresh start. And it's an opportunity to take one of the rarest interior defensive line prospects from an athletic skill set perspective that we've seen over the last couple of draft classes and ask him to do what he's actually good at, which is getting the gaps and penetrate.
0: Kyle, the defensive tackle, interior defensive lineman that we have the biggest discrepancy on is Marwin Tuapalotu from USC. And uh, we're five and a half points difference. And man, I actually think that he's the better Isn't this JT Defensive tackle. Oh, it is Jay Tufeli. Oh, you're totally quick on on there. Reading is hard. Um, But I still, okay, so points still stands. You're five and a half points higher on Tufeli than I am. Yep. And I think that Tua Pelotu is the better Trojan defensive tackle. Uh, I think Tufeli's
1: generally another boring football player. Is what I would call I, classify, But he's qualified. a free tech,
0: he's not supposed to be boring. He's supposed to be getting after people and not blown off the ball.
1: Listen, I, I think there's not necessarily a huge ceiling here as a pressure player. But if you look at the guys that I have him graded with, Togi, Sheldon, I'm going to omit Christian Barmore because he is a true penetration player. I just think his variance is so boomer bust that I'm not super comfortable with it. Uh, Davion Nixon is the same thing, super boomer bust. I have Tufelli, and then I have Aline McNeil in that same bucket. You like Aline McNeil a lot, don't you? Well, absolutely. we yeah, have the so, exact same grade on him. Right. So we have the exact same grade. I have Tufelli in the same
0: bucket. And McNeil's played all over the place, too. So that raises even more questions to me. Why? Because you have them in the same bucket, and McNeil's, like, just way better to me.
1: I think Jay Tufelli has the profile of a player who can do a lot of the same things that Lee McNeil can.
0: Mm. Just lighter and softer? If that's the way you want to phrase it, that's fine.
1: <laughs> I would I would pick a bone with you here, but honestly, I'm higher on everybody in this group all the way across the board. Yeah. So,
0: it's weird. it's a weird position to be in, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah. but but I, the general consensus stands is we we do not like this class in its entirety. Right. It's one of the worst groups from this year's draft class.
0: I think it is fair to say, though, third and fourth round, I think you can find some players that can yes, help you. But you're, absolutely. There's no Quinton Williams. There's no Jeffrey Simmons. You know, those guys aren't here this year. So, linebackers. A lot of familiar names here. A
1: lot right. of parallels between the greats. Uh, we both have Micah Parsons, LB1, right?
0: Yeah. Dude, is there anything to fight about here? We're within literally... A point to a point and a half on everybody.
1: Everybody until you get down to Nick Neiman. Who's, right. who's the – who's a day winning. three guy. Right. So, I mean, let's at least do our yep. top five linebackers from the 2021 draft. If you don't know what that is, go on TikTok. Do top fives. Yeah, it's, it's good. We discovered his account recently. He's, uh, a, he's a riot. We, he we enjoy his top five lists. So Micah Parsons. Yeah. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Yes. Baron Browning, who is off the beaten guy. path. It's yeah. one of our guys. Uh, I'm a, i am am a little concerned. The the league is apparently telling him most teams view him as an edge. Mm. Uh, two forty five. Play him as an outside linebacker, let him be an athlete. It, one of his most appealing things was his cover three zone drops over the, the two last games that he
0: played at Ohio State. Hot take. Micah Parsons is more of an edge than Baron Browning. Correct. And Baron
1: Browning has better traits to be an edge. Yeah. With, with the length. Micah Parsons, sub-32 in the arms. Right? Mm. The reach isn't really there. Uh, Zayman Collins. Yes. F4. Uh, Cam McGrone, another one of our quote-unquote guys, seems the league generally perceives him to be an early day three type prospect. Uh, but we like that 2019 freshman tape a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Then we have Jamin Davis, who's going to go early on Thursday night. He's not going to have to wait too long to hear his name called. So uh, you'll see the predictive mocks that are dropping this evening from both Joe and myself. Uh, Nick Bolton, Pete Werner, did I do anything out of order other than you having Jabril Cox up above Cam McGrone?
0: Nope, that's um, that's the order, and those are all day two, uh, round one and round two guys too. Yeah. By the way, and that's that's a healthy amount. Like if you need a linebacker, you you can find one. Yeah. You can get somebody. It's real. Yeah, it's a good group for sure. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sport. A- <clears throat> Sorry. I had a- this week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL Draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news Sign-up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the run in the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I need to tell you guys about Bilt Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet. So many amazing flavors. They're all delicious and they're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and it's easy to chew. It's like eating a candy bar, but it's good for you. Bilt Bar is great for anyone who is health conscious. You want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in a delicious treat. You got to try Bilt Bars. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for anyone on the keto diet. We have a deal for you. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. Who invited Chris to the party? It smells like a rat. Wee woo, wee woo. We just talked wee-woo. about Chris and how we kicked him out of here and now he's back. No, he's here for a good reason. Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. This is Breaking Wee-woo news, worthy. Gentlemen. And I'm guessing it's legit worthy because not only. Does Chris frown upon wee-woos? He actually barged into this room that we're in to share the news. Chris, what's up? There is a major trade. I know you guys are doing battle major. the boards, but a, a major. major trade. There is a quarterback on the move. You guys okay. don't know this. I am bringing this information to you. Teddy Bridgewater yes, to the Denver Broncos okay. for a sixth-round pick. A six! They stole them. A six! That's what I got for you guys. They said, please take this quarterback off our hands.
1: Wow! Well, I would imagine that they would be saying that, given the contract that they gave him, the size yeah. and the duration and the compensation, was outrageous last offseason for the Carolina Panthers. This
0: is the, uh, the quarterback version of the uh, Eric Flowers deal from yesterday. Please, take it. Just, just, wow! Please. And plus, um, George Payton was pretty heavily involved with getting him to Minnesota. So, here's the thing.
1: What does this tell us? about the tea leaves with Denver and then their presumed presence there at number nine, and maybe being in the quarterback market, thinking about which quarterbacks would or would not be of interest to them. I think these are the tip of the iceberg as far as what we're going to see develop tomorrow night. It does not bode well for Denver feeling confident that they'll
0: get a quarterback that they like. At number nine. Correct. And this signals to me that Denver is also aware of what we've been talking about. Teddy Bridgewater's not anybody's long-term answer at quarterback, but that roster was too good to just say, Drew Locke, here you go. See what you can do. We got everything in place except for the quarterback and we're not going to bring any competition. In. And you know, lo and behold, this, this did hit the Twitter
1: timeline yesterday. Albert Breer, uh, Patriots and Panthers were discussing a possible trade as of yesterday. Yeah, uh, So that's getting in front of the Denver Broncos. And if Denver's going to put their foot down and say, like, mm, yeah, go ahead. We don't, we, we don't want to invest extra assets to go up and get who we think is going to be there. For, if that involves calling Miami or that involves calling uh, Detroit at 7 they're just punting. They're saying we would rather have Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback room than who we think would be available or the cost it would get. They would take us to go up into uh, the top seven picks.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to once again starting over on my final mock draft. I, You know, you know, you told me you were done, but this is why yeah. we wait. This is why we wait. Yeah. Well, eventually you have to be done. And uh, thank you to. Um, our friends with uh, the Carolina Panthers and Denver Broncos for getting this move done now and not at 10 p.m. tonight while we are, you know, in the crunch and in the absolute crunch. Yeah, I,
1: I bid you gentlemen do I gave you that news. and let you guys discuss it. I am out of here. Enjoy the rest of the
0: pot. Good. Get out, Good. out of here. Yeah, uphill from here, boys and girls. All right. So we just got done with the linebacker. It's time to focus our attention on the defensive backs. We'll start with the corner. A lot of red in here. That means – so red means you I'm like, higher. You like – Oh, yes. wow. The whole top – the, the whole thing's red. Wow. So this is this is like you liking the edges more than me but like double because this is nuts. I am higher – like Caleb Farley, that's fine. I, I love Caleb Farley. We're not going to talk about the medicals. The player, he's wonderful. But, wow, Paulson Adebo, I am six and a half points higher than you on the Stanford product. Yep. Three points higher on you than the, uh, on Elijah Molden. I'm four points higher on Kelvin Joseph. Three and a half points higher. Is this uh, McPherson, Zach McPherson? Oh, wee-woo, wee-woo. Is there more? No, it's, it's the
1: financial details of the, oh. the Panthers Broncos Bridgewater trade just came through from Adam Schefter. Okay. Panthers paying Teddy Bridgewater in 2021, $7 million. The Broncos are paying $3 million. So this is literally
0: the exact same
1: thing yeah. as the Eric Flowers. Team.
0: Yeah. So that was uh that was a good parallel to draw. Nice shot, Joe.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, shut up, Adam. Trade does not take Denver out of the quarterback market on Thursday night per source. Uh yeah, it does. What are you trading Drew Locke to go up and get a quarterback? What? Nobody's gonna take Drew Locke. What if Trey Lance is on the board? So you so you're your QB room is going to be Drew Locke, Trey Lance. Trey Lance is not going to be there. At nine, by the way. Where's he going? You'll have to tune into my final mock draft. at <laughs> Find out. Let's get back on course with these corners. All right. right. Uh, so yeah, you have to go through the first what nine guys before you get to a guy that I'm hiring on, and it's Aaron Robinson of UCF. Unreal. Like, but but to be fair, like I don't know about you, but I have a ton of these dudes in my top 100 players in this year. Yeah, I team. do too. And, and like. 12 or 13 corners in the top 100. This is a really good class for secondary play. And I even think the the early day three group is strong with Avery Thomas and Elijah Griffin and uh, Kerry Vinson and Thomas Graham and Avery Williams and Keith Taylor and uh, Mukwamu from South Carolina. Like there's a lot of names that I like as early day three types. I've got three first round grades. Farley, Sertain, and Horn. Understand Farley. The, the red flags are there. Uh, something came out today. The teams expect that he will need additional surgeries. Uh, oh, so, yeah, just yep. pour one out while you're at it there. Uh, Patrick Sertain and, and Joe Horn, uh, Joe Horn's kid, J.C. Horn, my three first-round corners. Newsom, Stokes, Samuel Jr., and Mela are my Tier 2 second-round guys. And then you start getting into the late day three guys, some slot-specific types. So I like this group a lot. But, yes, collectively speaking, this is your interior defensive line. Where I had everybody graded just a tick higher. You've got everybody here graded just a tick higher. uh, But Paulson Adibo is the glaring discrepancy between the two.
0: Let's talk Adibo. Um, So I'll tell you why I'm in. Yeah. I think outside of four bad games in 2019, he's been awesome. I mean, in 2018, he was exceptional. And in 2019, I mean, like, he was nightmarish bad to start the season. You go back to that UCF game, and he was giving up the double moves left and right. And you really got a sense that this was a type of player that had to see the quarterback throw the football, right? And and as our buddy Dre Harris, uh, you know, full-time member of our scouting staff at the Draft Network, he says, If uh, you have to watch the quarterback throw the football, he's going to complete it over your head. And that happened a lot. But then he kind of corrected things and played a lot more consistently. I thought his run defense has always been good. I've always loved his physicality. And for a guy that wants to see the quarterback throw the football, he sure does make a lot of plays on the ball. So I think if you use him more in zone, that would play to his strengths more. However, I get it. He doesn't have the length we wish he did for that type of a, a role for him, but I feel like there's enough... There's far more good than bad with Debo. and um, I'm betting on that being the case and, and you know him working through those warts that we saw early in 2019. So,
1: I understand the appeal with Paulson and Debo. I, I do think it's a little concerning that I did feel as though he plateaued, and there was obviously the, the ugly start to 2019. Um, but I guess my other thing was just... I thought the ball production kind of got flat for a guy who was former wide receiver. He had great ball production, uh, phenomenal game against Oregon in 2018, right? It was the best game he played. I don't think you I don't know if that was the game. Justin Herbert started uh, 21 to 21 in that game yeah. or something like that. And then a broke up like three passes in the red zone in overtime, including an interception to seal the game. Like, that was the hallmark game for me. And as I just kept watching more, I'm like, I keep waiting for that guy to show up again. And I never really saw him to that same degree. So my concern is that that he's a player who transitioned to corner recently. And he just has not evolved into the next step that I've been hoping for as a corner relative to some of the other guys in the class.
0: I, still, I mean, I have him as a three. So yep. a three is a guy that I think is a starter but will take some time. You have him as a four, which, you know, like that's... It's not that it doesn't gross mean of can't. a
1: divide between the two. It's just you have him as a very high three and I am as a four.
0: Um, so Elijah Molden, I want to bring him up quickly. I am three points higher than you, and I think it's somewhat uh, significant because you have him as a high three. I have him as a lower two, but kind of more towards the middle. Are you kind of putting him through that slot-only lens? Because he's so. a good player. Yeah, he's a, he's a really
1: good player, but I just... I did not see successful reps in high safety roles for him. So for me, it's like, okay, you want to be that. And I I know some people have referenced Honey Badger, but um, he's super smart. I don't think he's the most dynamic athletically. He's more quick than he is explosive. Uh, But his football intelligence is going to allow him to have a very long NFL career. And if you need a guy to play in the nickel and kind of be a sub package guy, uh, and you're not scared off by smaller players, uh, Elijah Molden's going to be a really, really good option for you on day two. No no qualms with drafting him if I were any team that needed nickel help.
0: All right, so safeties. I'm
1: glad we saved this for last. We're going to go out with oh, a bang. Oh, yeah,
0: this. you know what? That just hit me. We've, yep. We've got, uh, we've got some newsies in here. We're going to go
1: out with a bang. We could start with Trevon Marek. 86 for Kyle. You you were three points different. It's one of the bigger divides between the group. I have a first round grade. You have a second round grade. Yeah. What's the concern? How did how did he not get a first round grade?
0: God, Joseph. I know you're going to paint this rosy picture of versatility, slot ability, high post defender, ball production, and those are true. I, I love those things about him, and that's why he's my number one safety in this class and a player that I really like. But when I watch him play, I think his angles can be inconsistent. I don't necessarily love him in man coverage. And so when I think you are more of a true high post guy in the NFL, I don't know that he does a whole lot more besides that. Now, I understand the elite trade is really good. It matters. It's Eddie Jackson level ball production. But I just want him to do more. I don't want to get Malik hookered here.
1: I think he can be, I, I think he has shown a greater willingness to play physical than what Malik Hooker ever did at Ohio State. So I think that's the cause for my optimism here uh, is, is that Hooker was all ball skills, all range, all coverage, off of bodies and attacking the football in the air. And anytime he had to play physical, he got big boy. I see Trevon Moore triggering, triggering the catch point. I see... Travon Morris stepped down and, and chopped down running backs as they're running and, and pressing through the second level. So that's where my optimism lies there. But, Joe, let's, let's just cut to the main event here, right, because we're, we're threatening running a little long. Big surprise for us. Yeah. Uh, we have an absolute war to close the show because you, like Florida State's Hamsa Nasser-Ladine. Hamza. By six and a half more points mm. – then I do. You have an 80 on him, a second round grade. <clears throat> I have a 73 and a half. And then you take effectively a very similar type player in Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech. And I somehow end up liking this player by three and a half more points. I have a 76.5 and you have a 73. So you have fourth on Divine Diablo and somehow a two yeah. on Hamsa. Nasser Ladin. So yeah. let's go ahead and, and make this make sense for me because right now it doesn't.
0: All right. So Hampson, Nasser Ladin, and Dion, Divine Diablo. In a way, what I really like about both of these players is that the NFL right now, these, offense, these offenses, based on personnel groupings, Kyle's over here doing, oh, was that the Dak Prescott thing you were just doing? He's like getting his I'm elbows up. the shoulders up. Yeah, he was ready for this. Okay. So the, these NFL offenses, they want to put you in a bind with personnel groupings. You have these flex tight ends, you have big slots, you have running backs that can go play out on the perimeter, line up as true receivers. And because of that, you can either have too much speed on the field and be too small, or you cannot have enough size on the field. You know, they're they're trying to get you in this bind. Players like Nasser, Aldean, and Diablo help counter that. So, for Dean specifically, I like him as a low box safety. You can call him a dime linebacker, but I love his willingness to be physical, come downhill, fill against the run, tackle, and I think there's enough athleticism here that has translated to production on the ball at Florida State. So no, if you want to talk about him as a deep zone defender, we're, we're, that's a misuse of his skill set. But
1: I He's do think in he coverage can help at all. I think it's a misuse oh, of his skill set. Oh,
0: that's selling him so short. Selling him so short. Diablo, the reason that I don't have Diablo in the same category is because for a guy that's as big as he is, I didn't see the consistency being physical and willing to trigger downhill. And so if you're going to be a big safety, I want to see you be more imposing, a guy that really wants to be that tone setter on the back end. I got more from uh, from Dean in that regard. You could probably say Diablo has better ball skills. You know watch the Liberty game? I didn't watch the Liberty game. No, when I was thinking about the games I should watch for Divine Diablo after <laughs> watching two seasons, it wasn't really high on my list. He got down in the box. He got into gaps. Good. He was shooting gaps, was so making high. plays. So happy
1: Listen, him. All right. So first of all, I'm going to start with one thing. Mm-hmm. This morning, we submitted, or I should say late last night, we put together, and then this morning it was submitting, uh, to the Huddle Report, our predictive top 100. Prospects for the 2021 NFL draft. Divine Diablo made this list. Mm-hmm. Hamsa Latin National Ladin did not. And you did not so much as utter his name once to make a case for him to make the list. Why not?
0: Gal, you're married.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I sure am, yeah. Sometimes
0: you gotta pick your battles. <laughs> <laughs> I I wasn't going to win that one. Plus, I know my audience. I'm sitting there with Dre and Brentley and you. Yep. And I know that I'm the highest on nasr I wasn't going to sit here and rehash the conversation. I knew we were having it again now. Right. We're going to have it today.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm going
0: to, I'm one out of four. So my concern with
1: Nasruli is the games that I watched, eyes are in the wrong place. There's guys running past him. He's got those. Chris isn't here, so I can say, it. oh shit moments where like he's got to turn and flip and try and get back where we, we, we miss some anticipatory stuff. So for me, it was like, okay, great. You can put him at will and ask him to chase stuff down from the backside. But like I didn't see him consistently stay on bodies and coverage. I didn't see him anticipating round combinations and zone drops. He can't play deep at all. I would take the more explosive player. And, and I thought Divine Diablo was a more explosive player. I know Hampson Astley-Dean's build is this height, weight, speed type guy. We haven't seen him test. Right. Yeah. And that that unchecked box, you know, is certainly something that, along with the, the medical issue with the knee that he had that ended his 2019 season prematurely, in which uh, he was racking up production left and right as far as, but where was it? It was all tackles, right? A bunch of splash plays. You know, they, they used him in a t- an attack role. I think Divine Diablo... Gives you a little something extra as far as what his finished product can be. And that's why I had Divine Diablo comfortably over Hamza, Nasser, Ledeen. uh, And and I had a three on Diablo. I had a four on Hamza. You had a two on Hamza and a three on Diablo.
0: Base four, two, five. Let's go.
1: Okay. Let me know how many landing spots you think that that that's going to be the case for him to work.
0: I think they both have the same problem when it comes to They do. spots. They do.
1: And that's why it comes back to me why I think Diablo has the better finished product ceiling. I have more optimism for what he could be in coverage in the intermediate areas of the field. That's why I favor Diablo over Nassar. And
0: for those reasons, I'm out.
1: And for that reason, <laughs> I'm out. And for that reason, we are out. 40 minutes of battle to the boards after yesterday's offensive extravaganza little cameo from Chris. Sorry, a little cameo from Coach O, too. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a, uh, a good day here on the Draft Dudes podcast. Tomorrow, we're reviewing our predictive top 100. Excuse me. We're reviewing our predictive mock drafts yeah. for the 2021 NFL Draft. Our final mock drafts, the ones that will go into the huddle report for scoring. Uh, we're, we're working the lines tonight. Joe's uh, going to tell you that he's not, and he just wants to be done. But I'll be damned if he's not going to sit <laughs> down and rework this mock draft after the Teddy Bridgewater stuff took place. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I think he gave you a little bit of clue on what he originally had for the Denver Broncos, not and sure He I'm asked this hypothetical. It. Not so, sure I'm going to change not it. Not sure he's going to change it. We'll have to wait and see, find out. So hit subscribe on the podcast. Come back, see us again tomorrow. Kyle Krabs with Joe Mario. Thanks as always for listening. Cheers. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Draft Day.